Never put your faith in a prince. When you require a miracle, trust in a witch. Catherine M. Valente. You're listening to Jamie's Bits of Jam a monthly storytelling podcast where we share fiction stories, true personal stories, and poetry written by girls, women, ladies, broads, birds, and bricky brave gals. Each month we choose a new theme and collect stories based on that theme. The stories are written by you, our listeners, and us, your hosts, Christina and Cassie. This month's theme is Witch. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! So, do you have any favorite witches? Uh, yes, I love Elphaba from Wicked. Mm, that's a, she's a good witch. Yeah, she's yeah, she's a good rogue witch. She's a good rogue witch. She has a really good story and <laughs> a great voice. She's got a killer voice. She does have a killer yes. voice. <laughs> I really love Professor McGonagall. Yes, Minerva. <laughs> I just want to soak up everything she teaches. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. She's a good one. Yeah. You know, I was really excited for this particular theme because my family history has been traced all the way back to Salem. Because mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if uh, I'm descended from a witch. I think we all are. You think, think we, we all are? are. <laughs> We're all descended from witches. And wizards. I was... No, never mind. No, you have to tell us now. <laughs> I was just going to say that I was in The Crucible, the play, and that's, like, not interesting or <laughs> exciting at all. I played goody good, and I had, like, three lines, and I had to say them in an Irish accent, and I was, like, drunk and pregnant and 60 years old. It was a really complicated. Oh, I character. thought you meant that you were like drunk and pregnant no, no, while no, you were no, playing. No, 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 no. no my character was both those <laughs> I things. See. I was not at seventeen. I was not those things at seventeen. Okay, so <laughs> that's probably best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, your family maybe was at the Salem witch trials, and I played a drunk sixteen-year-old pregnant woman in the Crucible in high school. The same. I think that definitely uh, makes us experts. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So, on with the show. (laughs) First up, we have our first poem on the podcast from Ashley Angel, and it's called Witch Born, Witch Made. One. Six and seven, I say. I am five years old. Mom enters the numbers in. We go to the stadium and we watch them run. Six is first, followed by seven. I only bet a dollar, Mom says in defeat, as she calls everyone, telling them I am lucky. Two, white hair trickling down my arm, I sit next to Mom as she plays the slots online. I am ten years old. I'm winning, she says. I was losing, but now I'm not. Don't ever leave my side. You're my good luck charm. I nod and water splashes her as it leaps from my hair. She doesn't notice. Three, zombie tarot sounds fun. A game for kids. The cards tell us our love is destined for pain. We laugh. It's just cards, we both say together. It's just a stupid game for kids. Four, she stole my boyfriend. She acted like we were friends. Then she broke my heart. I watch her as she laughs with a new boyfriend. 
and happiness. This cannot be. I curse her with a doll. It works. He breaks her heart. And I hate myself. Five. I can't choose between them and neither of them can let go. I do the only thing I know how. I cast a spell. One of them breaks up with me the next day, but he comes crawling back three months later. Why don't the consequences come with the instructions? Six, I slept well and ate well, a rare occurrence. At Dungeons and Dragons, I roll one natural 20 after another. The next week, I nearly call them to tell them I'm too sick. But I show up at D&D and roll one natural one after another. Never cast a spell while sick, I warn myself. Seven, my baby snake is sick, dying. Hoping isn't working. Praying isn't working. The medicine isn't working. I cast a spell and use a note and amethyst in my last attempt to save her. It fails. She leaves me. Again, I hate myself. Eight. We're friends, and then we're not. Prove it to me, he says. For months, he prods me. Prove I'm a witch. Use the scientific method. I refuse to be his lab rat. We talk every day, then we never talk again. Nine. In reluctance, I lift the card from my angel tarot deck. It says the famous lie that everything will get better. Except it isn't lying. Money flows. I receive notice that I am being published. All I have ever wanted in my life. 10. My faith is restored. I am a witch. Our next story is by Melissa Michelle, entitled Descent. Two young girls sit cross-legged on the grass facing each other. Bridget and Janie, best friends since they were in the first grade, Janie was always the leader, the outspoken one, the one who stood up to the bigger kids who would pick on Bridget for being different from the rest of them. She came later in the school year and didn't speak to anyone for the first two weeks. The teacher tried her hardest to get her to speak up and make friends with the other kids. Bridget, do you want to go play with those girls over there? Miss Can, the first grade teacher, would ask Bridget, who was sitting by herself at recess. Bridget would just shake her head. The teacher walked away frustrated. Janie, who was a part of the group of girls, looked over at Bridget all by her lonesome and felt empathetic. She was a perceptive little girl, and even though she tried to be tough, she wanted to make people happy. Janie walked over to Bridget. Hi! Bridget just stared at the blonde girl before her. My name is Janie. No response. Do you want to come play with us? Bridget looks behind Janie at the group of girls who are all staring back. She shakes her head no. Janie, who will not be discouraged, continued. Okay, can I sit here then? She motions towards the dead spot of grass next to Bridget and without waiting for a response, sits and pulls her knees up to her chest. Bridget keeps her eye on the little flowers in front of her. Where did you move from? Janie asks. Bridget looks at her from the corner of her eye. Oregon? 
she responds. Janie could barely make out what she had said due to her voice, soft and light like a feather. Do you like it here? Janie asks, encouraged by getting an actual word response from the girl. Bridget looks more comfortable than she did before. It's okay. She picks a flower from the grass and pinches it between her fingers. It's really warm here. Janie looks at her and smiles, happy that the new girl is opening up, even just a little. So, what's Oregon like? Bridget! I have been looking all over for you! Janie proclaimed from across the girls' bathroom. Recess is almost over! Bridget sat in between a stall in the sink, holding her scraped knees to her chest. She slowly looked up at her. My head hurts. Are you sick? No. She clenches her fists as another rush of pain runs through her head. It just hurts sometimes. Janie bends down to put her hand on Bridget's arm. I can take you to the office. Bridget quickly jerks away from Janie's touch. Don't! Bridget's usually soft voice booms through the bathroom. The stall doors seem to rattle as if Bridget's voice itself hit them. Don't touch me! Bridget yells even louder. The stall doors swing open with an aggressive force. Janie screams and jumps back, fear in her big eyes. Bridget looks down at her feet, almost ashamed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too, Janie says quietly. I don't think I can do this anymore. Bridget said. But you promised that if I did it, you would, too. Janie said as she held her hand against her chest, blood dripping through her fingers. Bridget awkwardly held the knife away from her. She had only made a small nick on her palm before becoming unsure. It just hurts too much. Janie reaches for the knife. Do you want me to do it for you? Without waiting for a response, she grabs a sharp object from Bridget's hand and pulls her by the wrist. Just look away. Janie positions herself over Bridget's hand. Look at the moon. It's so pretty tonight. She looks up at the sky as Janie drags the knife across her palm. Bridget squirms and pulls at the wet grass beneath her. It's okay, Janie said. Bridget breathes deeply, trying to focus on the stars. I'm done! She yelled excitedly. Now put your hand against mine. Bridget gets on her knees and reaches out to touch palms with her friend. She winces from the wound rubbing against another. The blood crawls down their wrists. Janie pulls her hand away. That wasn't so bad. The wind begins to pick up, rustling the surrounding leaves. Janie pulls her jacket tighter around her body. Let's go inside. Janie said to Bridget as she got up from the ground. Bridget wasn't listening. Her face was blank and she was sitting as still as a statue. Bridget, are you okay? No sign of recognition. Janie puts her hand on Bridget's shoulder. Are you gonna throw... A shock went through Janie's fingertips to the rest of her body. It made her lock up and fall over on her side with a loud thump. Bridget's scream rang out across the yard. She clutched her head with her bloody hands. The pain that was slowly crawling from her shoulder to her head was insufferable. It was as if someone was squeezing her brain as tight as they could. A light in the house in front of them turns on. It was from Janie's parents' room, the closest one to the girls and close enough to hear the screaming. The leaves aggressively swirl around the two, whipping their hair from side to side and mussing their shirts. Janie! A woman's voice cries out. The panic is apparent even in one word. The frantic parents slam themselves against the door. 
It's locked. The wind pushes the trees back and forth, back and forth. It only gets stronger as Bridget's scream gets louder, the pain taking over her entire being. There's a loud rumble as the roots from the trees come up and out of the ground. They seem to stretch towards unconscious Janie and wrap around her small frame. She is lifted off the ground and held in the air for a moment. Tears run down Bridget's face as she continues to pierce the earth with her cry for help. Blood from her hand has mixed with the new scratches on her face. Why won't this door open? The woman screams. The roots move the young girl back and forth with the wind until they make their final move of the night and slam into a rock-filled river across the way. Janie's body is finally released from their grip as she is gently carried away by the current. The wind has calmed, and the tree root slithers its way back to the dirt. Bridget stays clutching her head as the pain subsides. The back door finally unlocks. Bridget was in the worst seat in class. The light from the window hit her directly in the face. That was just one thing that made it hard for her to concentrate on calculus. Remember, this is going to be on the test tomorrow. The teacher droned on. Bridget wasn't paying attention. She was trying to focus on the pain in her head. At this point, she was able to calm her mind within a matter of minutes. There had been no more accidents since her childhood friend had fell into the river and hit her head. The official statement given to the police. Out of the corner of her eye, Bridget could see a group of girls glancing over and snickering. This was a regular occurrence after what had happened. It was easy to isolate and gossip about the weird, quiet girl who was the only one around when her friend got hurt. Maybe there had been kids who had tried to befriend and comfort Bridget, but she would never want to get close to another person after that. She glanced at the clock at the front of the classroom. Ten minutes left until she could go home. She looked back at the girls, who were still staring at her. She met their young and naive eyes with a cold stare. Her look sent a strange chill down their spine, and they quickly went back to their work. Bridget sat back and closed her eyes, the pain fading and the light hitting her face. Now, a story by Cassandra Kishpaw, The Unfamiliar. Though I am a cat, I do know a few things for sure about my surroundings. From what I know of everything else, this is a special thing, being a cat and knowing so many things, such as my fur color, black with white paws and a white mouth, and my eye color, golden. I know I am smaller than most cats. Most importantly though, I know I belong to a lovely girl. She is my whole life, and I know I love her dearly. My favorite place in the world is next to her breathing rib cage while she sleeps. I'm grateful for the rhythm she makes while I listen and make sure every breath is full. I could be rocked to sleep, but I don't dare leave her in her closed eyes alone in the waking world. I hover on the plane between sleeping and awake while she dreams whatever sweetness that gives her back to me refreshed and happy every morning. I catch up on my dreams spread out like pizza dough in the sunspot on the couch. By the time I began drifting away, she lays out her yoga mat. A good nap to me means a tribal flute and burning sage. My reality is much more relaxing than my dreams, however, though I can never recall what my dreams consist of. I can never shake the restless feelings I get from them. I always feel I'm unable to run as fast as I'd like and that I'm too large for the room I'm in. I feel wrong when first waking up, as if I should question my surroundings. But everyone has nightmares, I know that. 
I am normally awoken by my girl's hand on my head. She has her eyes closed and is usually mumbling something under her breath. Something I can't understand, surely. I rise playfully, always rubbing up on her at any opportunity. Before she feeds me, she always plays some sort of game. I sulk around the large star shape she puts on the ground several times as I watch her dance and mumble strange sounds. She's so beautiful sometimes that I can't believe it, that I dance with her. She laughs while we both jump around and I couldn't be happier being her partner in life. After the game, I feel strong and refueled, but not in a way that food refuels me. She feeds me salmon at this time every day. She puts my bowl on the table next to her salad. The sun shines very bright into our home. Every day I enjoy the glisten of her skin and watching the light run up and down her graceful arms. I fall for her all over again. It feels magical sometimes, like her beauty is a spell. After we eat, I follow her around the house as she does her routine. In the late afternoon, she starts heating up a small skillet. The smell of the substance she melts isn't pleasant, so she burns other spices along with it. But not sage, unfortunately, because she knows that puts me to sleep better than anything, and she needs me awake for the rest of the day. Our small and only hallway is covered floor to ceiling with paintings my girl has done. A lot of paintings are of me, which is why I believe I know what I look like. The pictures of her and I together are a little different looking. She herself is a photographic image while my image is painted on next to her. It looks like I'm covering up someone she doesn't want there, like an ex-boyfriend, which makes me feel glad to be available to do so. She's my everything, and I think I am hers too. At the end of the hall is a small room that we only visit once a day. Inside is a large bed with lots more pictures of me, sigils, and candles surrounding it. I jump on the bed and rub myself against the man that sleeps there. I usually curl up on his slow-moving chest while my girl injects the substance into his arm, mumbling those silly nonsensical words she mumbles. Sometimes she'll make slight sense with her hand on the man's head and the other caressing my cheek while looking me straight in the eyes. She'll say, it feels good to love you again, Joey. This way you'll appreciate me as much as I appreciate you. This way you and I will never hurt each other again. While the man's chest heaves up and down like a boat on the sea, I ponder on how I know so much as a simple little cat. It's like I've lived a whole life before, as if I were human, just like my girl. Her and I leave, and when she shuts the door behind us, I tend to forget all about it and continue loving her unconditionally. Our next story is Witchcraft by Cassie Soliday. Hmm, I wonder who this could be. Nicolette thought as she sketched with her black wing pencil what was becoming a beautiful young woman with an old world feel. While her Puritan wardrobe was a somber black and white not to attract attention in that era, Nicolette made sure to add some red colored pencil into her curly hair to indicate her fiery soul within. Maybe she was even accused of being a witch back in the day. From a young age, Nicolette had been blessed with a big imagination. Her language of choice was always sketching and crafting, and then giving stories to the things she created. Having a long lineage of artisans in her family is definitely to blame. The craft store had been handed down for many years, just like their red hair and freckles. The store felt more like home to her than their actual New England house. Witchcraft was the premier craft store for miles around, 
perfectly fitting into the witchy tourism kitsch that Salem had been building towards for years to benefit from the witch trials that plagued their county's historical past. Nicolette loved how goofy it was getting. She always thought, what a fun tradition to be a part of. So it was perfect that the shop would fall into her care someday. Outside, the rain lightly fell against the big windows decorated with witch decals, which inside, Nicolette sat behind the cells counter with one knee up to her chest and the other hanging off the stool for which she sat. Nicolette's grandmother carried a box full of yarn in from the back room. Her bifocals hung from her neck on a gaudy eyeglass chain. She looked like an immovable fixture from the store, like she had always belonged here too. Gran sets up the workshop table for something new they're trying out. How to knit dolls. More specifically, how to knit your very own familiar. Gran, I've got another drawing for the window display. She'll look great in one of the antique frames we have in the back. Gran stepped away from setting up the workshop table to look at Nicolette's sketch. She put her bifocals on so she could see it in great clear detail. Oh, that's great, Laddie. Gran always used her pet name. Your talent grows and grows. She really looks like she could have lived. I know, right? Here's her scoop. She is the daughter of a well-off family, not rich, but definitely not poor. Her mother gets so mad at her for being outspoken, as that's the time period they live in. She's well-respected in the community and stands up for what she believes in, even when society says she shouldn't. I really like this girl. She reminds me of someone. She spins around on her stool to face Gran, hoping that she would pick up on who she was referring to. Gran? Gran looked pale. Grandma? Are you okay? Gran took off her bifocals. Yeah, yeah, my, my eyes just can't take these glasses so much anymore. You picked up on my hints, right? She's totally you. Gran chuckled, feeling better. You know who really comes to mind? Is your great, 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 great grandmother. She was so outspoken. My grandmother said she burned at the stake. Really? Nicolette looks at her sketch as Gran walks back to setting up the tables. Yeah, she was a real spitfire, Gran said. So she looked and acted just like you then, huh? Gran looked up at Nicolette, smirking. Yeah, I suppose it runs in the family. Dusk had begun and darkness fell enveloping the town as stores ended their business day. Witchcraft was one of the few stores that stayed open past 6 p.m. and typically received the curious tourists still looking for fun. This evening's rain apparently scared them back inside their haunted B&Bs now that it was falling harder. Gran and Nicolette continued on with their workshop in case anyone decided to come in late. They wouldn't want their watery track to be for nothing. Nicolette had become really fast at making these dolls, so 20 minutes in, she realized it was looking like the girl from her drawing. She looked at the yarn she was using. On the table set black and white. I, I could have sworn I started with green. What's that, dear? Gran looked up over the rims of her bifocals. Uh, nothing. I just thought I had... <laughs> Nothing. It's nothing, Gran. You're really obsessed with that girl, huh? 
Nicolette giggled. I, I guess I am. I really, I really like how the sketch turned out. It makes me think about all the stories I'll never hear from my mom. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'll never know what, it, like, I'll never know what, it, like, you know, I'll never know what it was like growing up in Salem and what you were like when you were a young mother. I'm, I'm sorry, Letty. Gran sets her barely started knit familiar on the table with her shaky hands. Uh, my hands just aren't what they used to be. I'm falling apart in this old body. She becomes emotional, looking away. Don't be silly, Gran. You're still young and kicking. Nicolette reaches her hand over to Gran's arm to console her. When your mother passed, I thought my life would be over. So young. What a waste. But then there was you. Gran places her hand atop of Nicolette's and looks up at her with a warm smile. You lived. Nicolette forces a smile, sad that she never got to meet her mother. Gran closes her eyes and sighs relief. Thank God you survived. I just don't know what would have happened to me if you didn't. Nicolette chuckles. What do you mean, Gran? You're a lovely girl. Came out of Gran's mouth, but didn't sound like Gran at all. Next in line to inherit this damn hair. Next in line to inherit witchcraft. Next in line to inherit me. Gran grabs Nicolette's wrist, a force too strong for an elderly, shaky hand to withstand. Grandma! Nicolette tries to get loose from her grandmother's intense grip. Have you... have you taken your meds today? Ding! The motion sensor sets off the front doorbell as someone dances around their warm and cozy store with high spirits. Nicolette's hips ache as she squirms conscious on the floor. She can feel the form stopping, their cheerful dance to kneel down beside her. Nicolette peers through one half-opened eye to a blurry blob that looms over her as she reaches her hand out. She finds that her hand is shaking. When she tries to open her mouth to speak, her throat is too dry. Everything comes into focus as the blur helps Nicolette put on the prescription bifocals that hang around her neck. The blob comes into a mostly clear form as the glasses settle onto her nose. Nicolette is looking at herself as if a mirror were sitting right in front of her. She also sees that her shaking hand is wrinkled. Stay calm, dear. The shaking will pass. To end this witchy evening, we have Christina Kishpaw with her story, Brew and Chat. He did what? He touched my butt. Oh, no. What did you do? Is he little and green and hopping around your koi pond right now? No, no. I'm very proud, actually. I felt I handled the situation with a lot of class. Good for you! Mm-hmm. More tea? Oh, yes. It's delicious today. You always make the best brews. Well, this one has a hint of hazelnut and some pine notes. It's delightful. So? So? What did you do to Mr. Manhansy? Oh, well, first I lectured him on respecting boundaries. Sure, sure. And he slurred something out about how I was dressed. How were you dressed? 
black leather crop top, mid-length tight black skirt, fishnets, combat boots, red lips. Oh, so the usual. I got that goth vampire look on lock. We need to hang out with more vampires. Yeah, we do. We would be way cooler if we had more vampire friends. We know Valerie pretty well. I curse the day she moved back to Romania. Did you really curse it? Yeah, uh, June 27th is not a good day to be leaving the house from now on. Oh, thanks for letting me know. I'm going to mark my calendar real quick on my phone. Let's see, June 27th. Don't leave house. Gonna be a lot of death and destruction that day from now on. Hopefully no one will notice. They never do. Anyway, where was I? So I lecture the guy and he says something about my outfit. Idiot. So I reach out and grab his neck. Okay. I thought you said you handled it with class. Uh, one, I'm not done with the story yet, and two, usually by now he would have been flayed. Fair. Continue. So I grab him by the neck and lift him off the ground. I pull him in closer and whisper in his ear, which needed a good cotton swab, by the way. Gross. Yeah, so I whisper, what about what you're wearing? Or not? And I let go of him, and he's totally naked. I poofed him naked. I like the dramatics of whispering. I need to utilize that kind of thing more. It just adds a little, like, fun to the job. But sometimes you only got time for the spell and go. The don't dwell spell. Love it. So, yeah, I'd say you did a good job of staying chill while also exacting adequate revenge. Oh, that's not all. Oh, boy. Tell me. So he's naked and everyone around is starting to notice. Pointing and laughter ensues. He looks at me with this glare of pure anger and picks up a baseball bat and charges at me. Wait, a baseball bat? Where is this happening? That forgetful spell Shelly put on you last month is still giving you issues? That bitch. Took me a week to remember my own reflection. A whole week of shrieking every time I looked in the mirror. Well, you did spoil Game of Thrones for her. Which is ironic, because I don't remember what happens in that show now. I envy you. You get to watch the whole thing again for the first time. Never thought of it that way. Do you want me to do the forget spell on you, and then we can binge Game of Thrones again together? Maybe. Let me finish the story first. Oh, right. So, where were you? We were at a Little League baseball game. Who do you know that plays Little League? My sister's kid. Ah, yes. So he charges at you? Yes, with a baseball bat. So I levitate him up into the air, and then I levitate the baseball bat to destroy his... His own bat and balls. Yep. And then I'm obviously in a white-hot rage. Of so my eyes have gone all red, and there's this isolated aerial wind making my hair fly all around. And then I hear my sister yell for me to stop. So I snap out of it. And he fell to the ground and snapped his neck. Oh, no. Not my fault. Um, you didn't mean to kill him, so I will give you some credit. Dude is still dead, though. Yeah. I was the only one to notice his neck snap, so I kind of had to possess his body and do a weekend at Bernie's dealio. Just so the children were spared the horror of their coach dying in front of them. He was the coach? You really need to expel that spell. After Game of Thrones. So, you saved them from a dead coach, but they still are going to be haunted forever by a naked coach. Better naked than dead, I always say. Well, no, I don't. I actually prefer dead. I'm proud of you. You did handle it with as much class as I've ever seen from you. Thanks. Do you want to start Game of Thrones again now? Yes. First more tea, please. It's really delish. What other flavor is in it? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Oh, it's the coach. I boiled the sexist douche bastard's body and made a tea from him. 
Well, it's a home run, my friend. <laughs> This has been the Jammiest Bits of Jam Story Helling Podcast. Episode produced in sunny Los Angeles, California by Christina Killsall and Cassie Saws Your Face with music by Grace Psychotic. Follow us on Facebook at Jammiest Bits of Jam Podcast or on Twitter at Bits O Jam Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share this episode with your friends and rate us on iTunes. With your help, we can promote the unique voices of women everywhere. Check out our upcoming themes, and if you feel a spark, consider contributing to the show with your own story. We accept short fiction, nonfiction, or poetry. Here at Jamie Spits of Jam, we believe that every woman has a unique voice. Our mission is to build a platform in which to share these voices, and that is why every writer retains the rights to their story. You're welcome. And thank you. And thank you. <laughs> For more information, please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until next time, keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice. You're listening to the Jamiest Bits of Jam. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to the Jamiest Bits of Jam, a monthly store pal- Story pal. <laughs> <clears throat> It was as if someone was squeezing her bit. It was as if someone was squeezing, squeezing. It was as if someone was squeezing, squeezing. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It sounds so weird. <laughs> Happy All Hallows.